And I'm Tiff, and we're your Curious Cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to episode 45. Welcome. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like the turtle tank is exceptionally loud today. I do too. I don't know why though. Me neither. So I apologize again for our ambient noise in the background. Not too much longer though. Nope. One more month, I guess. He'll probably go before school starts. <laughs> Well, any business? No, I don't think so. I do have a couple of, well, I have a correction. Oh, okay. And then just a couple of statements, I guess, maybe. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is from our last episode, and it's a correction on myself, obviously. When I was, it's when I was talking about the minor wages, Mm -hmm. how they were like two, I think $2.50 or whatever back in, 1800s and and I said that in today's value it was like nine dollars and 51 cents apparently I can't read oh. it's ninety dollars and 51 cents not nine so I I don't know <laughs> oh. anyway so ninety dollars and 51 cents is the correction that's what they would have made a day yes okay. in today's money okay and then, so... It's more than a substitute teacher makes in a day. Yeah, well, they can at least go buy lunch at McDonald's now, That's exactly so. right. Uh, the other thing was I actually asked my parents about their Cold War experience in oh, school. yeah. And <laughs> my parents are the same age. They're, they're like six months apart. Mm-hmm. And my mom couldn't remember anything. She... She's like, I don't, I don't know. That was so long ago. <laughs> but my dad remembered that in elementary school, he said that, um, I, well, I asked like, did you guys do anything? Like what was different? And he said that, um, it was, it was basically like a tornado drill. Like, do you remember back in the day when the tornado drill would go off and you would have to get out of your seat and go into the hallway and like crouch down on the floor and put your hands kind of behind your head to protect your head Mm -hmm. that's what they did for the yeah the um nuclear bomb drill and he said he thinks that the sirens were the same Mm -hmm. uh he couldn't remember if there was any difference between the tornado siren or the um, mm-hmm. nuclear shelter one and um, but he said they did do the same thing for both mm-hmm. but that's all that he really remembers and he said he remembers doing it in elementary school but he doesn't really remember doing it in middle school and he said he definitely didn't do it in high school yeah so interesting well cool I'm anyway, glad you asked him that was just my my little bit of info there you go there you go very cool no, I don't think I have anything to chat about. I That was all I had. <laughs> Sweet. Well, this is a Paranormal X episode. It is. And so we're going to be talking about some spooky spooks. We are. And it, did, it looked like that the Tulsa Spirit Tours added some more dates to their Broken Arrow tour. Yeah, it looked like they added about three dates in September, which... Mm-hmm. My birthday is in I was going to say, that's so just his birthday month. Go. I think that's a great idea. 
So I think it, I can't, I think it was something like, now I'm just shooting this off the top of my head, but it was kind of like beginning of September, Mm mid-September, and then late September. Right. So. So, well, definitely when we pick a date to go. We might have to do the late September because I think the middle one is September 15th and that's actually my brother's birthday. Oh, okay. And I don't, I mean. I don't know. I have a wedding the 21st or something. Yeah, I think the later one is the 30th. Oh, okay. And okay, I think the yeah. earliest one's like on the 7th or like something like that. Cool. Yeah, we should totally do it. And we'll tell we'll tell the listeners. So maybe yeah. they, you all could join us. Maybe we have some Broken Arrow people that might want to yes. come with us. Or if you want to travel, yeah, Broken sure, Arrow's sure. A, a good place to stay. Yeah. I suppose. So... Um, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, this week I am covering Fort Reno. <laughs> and so I really dove deep into Tanya McCoy and Whitney Wilson's book entitled Haunted El Reno. Uh-huh. I know that Tanya does a lot of collaboration books with uh, Jeff Provine. Yeah. And um, so I, I really am a fan of her work as well. So we have several of her works. Right along with Jeff's and um, I think Whitney's on it, a lot of them. But yeah, so Haunted El Reno by Tanya McCoy and Whitney Wilson. Haunted Oklahoma by Jeff Provine. Uh, FortReno.org, Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Ricksecker. So Fort Reno is located in present-day El Reno, Oklahoma, which is in Canadian County. It was built in 1874 and used as a U.S. military base until 1949. It is 9.9 acres and was added to the National Registry of Historic Places on June 22nd, 1970. And it was an originally um, a U.S. Army Cavalry post named for General Jesse L. Reno, who died at the Battle of South Mountain during the Civil War. Oh, interesting. So we're going to go into a lot of its back history uh, to kind of tell us why it's very haunted Uh today. It's got lots and lots of history and lots and lots of energies put into it. Well, with it being a fort... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, originally it was just a a temporary camp in 1874, which was located near the Darlington Agency. Yes. Mm -hmm. That one that housed the Masonic orphans and elderly later on. It's the same place. Oh, fun fact. (laughs) Jess and I's cousin Miranda got married at the Darlington Agency. It's now the Darlington Chapel, I believe is what she called it. Um. So we have been there. So we've actually been there. And we didn't know it. And we didn't know it. It was 10 years ago. But um, so the Darlington Agency was a Native American place where Natives could have contact with the U.S. government. There was a post office, a school, a newspaper, protection during conflicts, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It also provided food rations. Um, It was meant to help educate and Christianize natives and lead them into farming and ranching lifestyles okay um but during this time period uh several or the two of the native tribes they were requesting protection because there was an uprising of other tribes that it eventually led to the red river war okay which was between a few of the native tribes in the area The fort ended up remaining after the conflict ended to help protect the southern Cheyenne and southern Arapaho uh, reservations. And so present day, El Reno, I believe, is the head of the Cheyenne Arapaho tribe because I believe they've merged into one tribe. I didn't didn't Um, realize that. Yeah. 
the cavalry and infantry was stationed there, and they played an important role in the transition um, of Indian territory to statehood. Mm-hmm. And really, they were there to... It sounds like... Now, of course, I don't know. I mean, from what it sounds like, they were more or less there to protect the native people okay. from incoming white settlers. Ah, okay. So soldiers from the fort were sent to try to control the boomer and sooner activity during the land runs. They also helped... Um, They would relocate and remove boomers from the unassigned lands of Indian Territory. They were doing that 10 years prior to the land run in 1889. Just these people are just thinking they were entitled to just walk into this land Mm -hmm. and own whatever, and that's not how it was. Right. They did assist in the 1892 and 1894 land runs of that area. Um, In 1892, troops from the fort were sent to help calm political disputes among the five civilized tribes they had met together as a tribe. And I guess it was getting kind of heated, so they sent in um, some troops, some uh, U.S. troops, to kind of settle them down a little bit. In 1898, uh, these same troops from Fort Reno were sent to to Cuba during the Spanish-American War. In 1900, they were sent to Henrietta to quell the Creek Rebellion. Mm. In 1906, the Black 25th Infantry was sent from Fort Brown in Texas to Fort Reno. And this was because at that time there was a lot of, how to say this kindly, unruliness. There was unhappiness between farmers and ranchers and cowboys with the infantrymen that were located at that fort. And this is post-Civil War. Mm -hmm. So these soldiers had every right to be there. Mm -hmm. And um, some people just weren't happy Happy about that. I don't know why, but that that makes me think, uh, okay, so I was like a diehard Oklahoma musical fan, like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. grew up. Rogers and Hammerstein. Tape. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, well, I had it too. And um, it makes me think of that. Oh, the farmer and the cowman should be friends. Right. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I love that. Now I'm going to sing it the rest of the day. So in 1906, they were sent from Fort Brown in Texas to Fort Reno. This happened to be the ninth and tiff. <laughs> Ninth and 10th Calvary Buffalo Soldiers, they were stationed there at one time in addition to the 24th and 25th Infantry. Mm-hmm. There was also a group of Cheyenne Arapaho Indian Scouts that were located there and U.S. Marshals. Uh, they had an office there. All of these were there, were mainly there to kind of keep the peace in this area. That's interesting. Um, the Calvary and the Cheyenne Police had to manage the, quote, beef issues i'm sorry did you say cheyenne police yes Hmm. from the cheyenne tribe yeah okay um they were there to manage the quote beef issues which gave tribes long or like live longhorn cattle to chase and shoot and hunt like buffalo so because white people again we hunted them to near extinction Right. And um, this was, of course, these Plains Indians' livelihood. And so uh, one of the solutions was to have them hunt longhorn cattle. Interesting. Right. Longhorns had been herded up the Chisholm Trail, uh, part of the 1867 Texas Abilene Trail. Mm-hmm. And so they would just let some of them roam free. But um, Sounds like a great hunt. I, in my mind, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much cows have evolved. <laughs> right. 
And so, but, you know, I see the longhorn cattle that are present uh-huh. and how boring would that be? Because they just sit there. I don't think they would run from you. They wouldn't, they would just sit there. Yeah. Even if they were like let out to be wild, I think they would just sit there. <laughs> right. um, the fort did lead to the cities of El Reno and Reno City being formed. Reno City was abandoned before statehood. Um, the same general that Fort Reno and El Reno were named after Reno, Nevada was also named after him. The fort was abandoned on February 24th, 1908, but remained a quartermaster remount depot. This lasted until 1948. What does that mean exactly? Do you know? Um, so I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the fort specialized in specific horse breeding and training of pack mules. And these were those. For a time, it was for, because, you know, it was just, that was the way that soldiers traveled or they would have to run cross country on these horses mm-hmm. and they could go there and get new ones. But also, this was a special part of the army because they trained these horses and these pack mules that were used specifically for wartime purposes. Okay. Uh, so, for example, the they were used during World War One and Two. Okay. And they raised horses and mules for all branches of the military because during that time, generals and they still rode on mounted horses. We still had a cavalry at that time. Yeah. These animals were sent from El Reno to the South Pacific, Italy, Greece, China, Burma, and India and other places around the world. Um, It was decommissioned in 1948, although animals would continue to be shipped out until 1952. Interesting. I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. That was really cool information to learn. During World War II, and in one source it said even World War I, Uh German and Italian prisoners of war were housed there. In fact, the chapel on the fort was built by the German Afrika Corp, or the, I'm going to try not to butcher this, Deutsches Afrika Corps, a holding force to shore up Italian defense of African colonies. That's where those... Germans and Italians came from. Mm -hmm. So when it was that area was taken over by American troops, they obviously had these prisoners of war Mm -hmm. and they sent them over to the United States. This specific, this, um, the Africa Corps. Mm -hmm. These ones were definitely from World War II, but they were sent specifically here. At one time we had close to 1300 Germans and just a few Italians. Oh, wow. Um, They were actually treated rather well at Fort Reno when you compare it to other uh, POW camps, Mm -hmm. especially ones that Germans were running, (laughs) even the other ones around the U.S. But I mentioned that like German POWs were given far better treatment and luxuries at Fort Reno than American POWs were given in Germany. So most of them, while they were being housed in Fort Reno or at Fort Reno, they would be hired laborers for local farmers. The farmers would quote buy a day's work for a dollar fifty. Okay. Um, the government would in turn pay the prisoners ten cents an hour, and they could use that money to purchase things from the canteen that was on the fort. So the prisoners were allowed to visit that. Mm-hmm. POWs could purchase up to two beers a day. <laughs> I mean, I guess in my mind, they're German, so they're probably used to drinking. That's probably it's like water over there, right? Isn't exactly. It? I, mean, I don't know. They they probably like only two. I'm just kidding. I don't actually know. I don't either. But I feel like for them, it, they were probably like only two. Uh, they were also allowed to 
purchase cigarettes and other goods. Um, the POWs could pack a sack lunch to take with them when they went to work on the farms that they were given as their prisoners. But most of the time, the farmers would provide snacks and meals to them. Okay. Many POWs actually stayed in touch with the American farmers after they returned to Germany following the war. A lot of them said that they were very kind. The farmers were very kind to them and didn't treat them like, you know, second-rate citizens. Right. So, and I believe the Germans tended to be very hard workers. Mm -hmm. 70 of the POWs are buried at Fort Reno. Most of them, in fact, I would say 69 of them actually died at other Oklahoma and Texas POW camps. And then they were just sent and to And they El were Rang? shipped, to, yeah, to El Reno. Is there, do you know the reason for that? Well, it says that only one Fort Reno POW died while in prison, and it was because he got sick. Uh, and so out of the 70, 62 are German and 8 are Italian. It kind of sounded like Fort Reno. If you had to get sent to a POW camp, you wanted to go to Fort Reno. It sounded like the other ones may have been a little bit harsher, may have uh-huh. had a little bit more harsh conditions. Yeah. Where Fort Reno kind of, I'm sure it was still harsh at times. I mean, it is a POW camp. Right. It kind of sounded like they. it was a little bit more not lax, but they had more ability for luxuries and right. things of that nature. Many Germans and Italians have visited their relatives' final resting place over the years there in Fort Reno. Um, in November, for German American Heritage Memorial Day, there's a wreath-laying ceremony that takes place every year at oh. the cemetery there at Fort Reno. Interesting. And this is a kooky fact. The most famous buried person at Fort Reno is German Johannes Kuntz from the Tonkawa camp. He was there was a Tonkawa POW camp in Oklahoma. Okay. He was beaten to death by other POWs who accused him of being a traitor. There's actually a novel called The Extreme Justice by Vince Green is actually based on that story. Huh. And so that was one of the POWs that didn't die because of conditions, died because they believed he the other Germans believed he was a traitor. And I don't know if maybe it comes out in the book if he was or if he wasn't or what. Huh. Interesting. So the fort was again abandoned in 1949 and ownership transferred to the U.S. Department of Agriculture for a grazing land research project or lab. Mm -hmm. So I told you that there is a cemetery on the fort. Uh And I told you that there were Germans and Italian POWs there. But there's also residents of the fort there are different pioneer settlers over time, military persons. There's actually 56 children buried there as well. What? Right. Because, I mean, it was forts are working places where families are, too. Yeah, that's so, true. I mean, that's true. And you think about the years that it was very active. You have to think of the years that it was active, that children mortality rate was a lot higher than it is today. Yeah, I didn't think about that. The most noted military man buried at Fort Reno is Ben Clark. Clark served the U.S. Army for many years. His service started at the age of 13. Was he like a drummer boy? He was a post courier Ah. uh, in Fort Bridger, Wyoming. He served in the 6th Kansas Cavalry during the Civil War. In 1868, he became a scout for the U.S. Army and served as chief of the scouts under General Philip Sheridan and Lieutenant Colonel George Custer. Ah. Clark was said to have defied Custer twice. 
saying the soldiers and Osage scouts were shooting women and children. He pressed for an exit plan from these conflicts, but we all know how George Custard was. But he, Clark, did not approve of the shooting of of these women and children. Clark was married three times, each of his wives dying before. My promise this is, this pertains to the, to Fort Reno. Oh, I believe you. I have it in clean. (laughs) He fathered a total of 14 children. Holy cow. Well, he's a dad. It's easy for men to father. Well, I know. (laughs) Good grief. So wife number one, Emily, she birthed Jenny. Wife number two, Redfern, she birthed Emily. They named their daughter Emily. Wife number three, Mocha, birthed 12 more. Five dying before 1900. So after the Civil War, he married his first wife, Emily, who died in January of 1873. Redfern died in 1880, and then very shortly after that year, Clark marries Mocha. Were the last two Native Yes, and I think Emily was of Native descent as well. Okay. So on May 6, 1913, Mocha passed away. And so she's the one, she lived the longest. Uh And so, and it didn't tell me like what, how old she was when she passed away. But after many military years of service, the death of two wives and then Mocha, he's lost several children at this point. Yeah. And he was starting to suffer from paralysis. Clark ended his own life in his quarters in 1914. Oh, man. You had to think he had over 45 years of military service. Uh And his home in which he unalived himself, still stands today on the fort. However, visitors are not allowed to visit it. Oh, my goodness. What do they do with it? It's just there. Like, you can look at pictures, and it's boarded up, and it's there. Oh. So here are some kooky facts before I get into the spooky facts. Okay. Amelia Earhart flew her autogyro, the precursor to the helicopter, Uh at Fort Reno. Oh. Will Rogers visited frequently to watch polo and horse races. Blackjack, the spirited riderless ceremonial horse, was raised and trained here. Now, who was that horse? Let me tell you. He was the horse used in funeral processions of President Hoover, President Kennedy, and President Johnson, and General MacArthur. So, you know, they always have that riderless horse. That's him. That's Blackjack. Oh. He is also known to have helped bury more than 1,000 Korean and Vietnam soldiers killed in action. Artist Frederick Remington, he spent three months here at Fort uh, Reno, Mm -hmm. producing many drawings of Calvary and Buffalo soldiers, Cheyenne and Arapahoe natives, and scouts. Mm -hmm. And in 1997, the fort auctioned off scrap metal to help raise the funds to create a visitor center and museum there at the fort. It is open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 4. There is a small admission fee, but the most expensive I saw was $5. But here's the cool thing, and I this is what I want to do. Okay. I was going to say, it sounds like we need to go. You can get on their website and schedule a ghost tour. And I think it was $29. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Miranda, come Miranda, with us. Miranda, yes, come with us. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the spooky. All right, hit me. Many, many, many EVPs can be heard of ghosts speaking German, which is chilling. Yeah. Not only can you hear a ghost talking, but 
I am not German, so I would not be able to understand what they are saying. So that would scare me more. Yeah, I think not knowing, like speaking in a different language that you're not used to. Yeah, I can see how that right. would be. Especially when you're like, you know, you're here in Oklahoma and mm-hmm. it's another whether as opposed to like if you were in Germany hearing right. the German coast. Right. If that made any sense at all. Sorry for my rambling. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, I'm okay. with you. Creepy. Director Wendy Ogden, it's Ogden or Ogden, I apologize for mispronouncing that, shares that while driving herself and her son home one evening, she's the director, she's currently still the director, her son cried out because he, quote, saw a man standing in the middle of the road. What? Wendy never saw him, nor did she see anything when she looked back. Like, I think she like slammed on her brakes and like looked around because he almost thought that she almost hit him. Oh my gosh. Her son reported that the man was, quote, standing at rest, just as the historical interpreters did in the 19th century uniforms during the reenactments that they had on the base. So I think her son just thought it was one of those guys. Oh, my God. Wendy states that the spot that they were driving, that they were driving at was the spot where the original Fort Gate stood. (gasps) Oh. So someone is still on guard. So they, oh, yeah. Like there would be like a sentinel. Or- yes. Yes. Someone is still on guard there. Ooh. The visitor center and museum is the old officer's quarters. In two sources, I had different versions of who this spirit could possibly be. It's either a lieutenant colonel or major Conat. 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 I couldn't. I didn't. That was the two different pronunciations I could find who committed suicide there after his wife left him in the 1930s. He unalived himself by shooting himself in the head in the upstairs bathroom. There is a report of a bullet hole repair that had to be made to the ceiling. Oh, my goodness. Guests feel like they are being watched while in empty rooms, shivering from cold spots. They've had their hair pulled, and when they've looked to see who was behind them, no one was there. Footsteps of heavy boots are heard upstairs while people are downstairs, even though no one is upstairs. Faucets, lights, and TVs switch on and off. He's even been known to tap people on the shoulder or knock pictures off the wall. Rude. Right. At the U.S. Calvary Association slash Calvary Museum, which is on the site, it was built to house officers and their families from 1876 to 1894. The spirit of a little boy is often seen peeking around corners. I'm out. <laughs> Why? There's also the report of a woman walking down the upstairs hallway and disappearing through the wall. Lights come on and off in the rooms at night, even when there was no electricity to the building. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Again, uh, director Wendy Ogden, she said that on her first day, the fire alarms kept going off. Not like the chirping sound that the battery is dying, but like the long blaring siren that there's a fire. Yeah, like get out of Dodge, there's a fire. Right, exactly. After speaking with her boss, she was told that the alarms don't have batteries. They're hardwired into the house. Oh, gross. Two other workers have had this happen to them on their first days of work there, too. Now they're just playing with them. Right. (laughs) No, I know. Or maybe it's like, welcome (laughs) to your new place of work of horror. (laughs) You're going to really hate this one, then. Oh, oh, A young child is present. Oh, 
This child is known to knock pencils off desks. Oh, this is oh, I just I just got chills okay, thinking about this. Okay, if you're cringing, that means it's bad. Items at waist level, like for an adult, are moved around. Like a flask has flown off of a shelf. Okay, first off, why is there a flask in a workplace? It's probably like on display. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you work here, you might need a drink every once in a while. Um, children laughter can be heard. Um, this actually happened during a small family tour. Um, the tour guide heard it but thought and thought he was going crazy. Like he just kept hearing it until one of the parents asked, do you hear the kids laughing? <gasps> oh, oh that gave me chills. Children's spirits are thought to be that of Louis Tross, who passed away in 1900 of unknown causes, and Maria Wheeler, who passed in a fire just north of the museum. They're actually buried next to each other in the cemetery. So they've become friends and... The afterlife, I suppose. Little terrors. Another visitor one day came running down the stairs when she claimed to have heard someone choking. (gasps) And she thought it was the director, Wendy. And so she ran downstairs and the visitor asked Wendy if she was okay, but there was nobody there. (gasps) Wendy was downstairs. So she ran downstairs and was like, oh my God, I thought I heard you choking. But when I turned around, you weren't there. And she's like, I've been here the whole time and I have not been choking. Oh, gross. <laughs> no, me no likey. <laughs> Psychics and mediums have visited and all claim there is something in the museum that makes the spirits unhappy. It's actually thought to be a specific saddle. Because I guess there's a big, I mean, it was a, it's a Calvary museum. So. Did you say saddle, like a horse saddle? Yes, yes. So when Wendy and the visitor, the visiting medium or psychic, whoever, they located this saddle that they believe is the one that's supposed to make spirits unhappy, its straps started to just swing on its own. The saddle actually isn't a cavalry saddle. It's one that belonged to an officer's daughter who used it when she traveled with the circus. So it's not a cavalry. So why does it make it? Is it because it's in the museum and it's not like an actual? Yeah. And I think somebody in the museum is like, this isn't supposed to be here. This is not. This is a Calvary museum. That's not a Calvary saddle. Ah. But here's the thing. The saddle's still on display today. They didn't move it. So they're just aggravating. Yeah, yeah, sure. The spirits. Okay. Um, EVPs that have- sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wendy, let's move it. No. EVPs of chatter can be heard. Um, they've conducted lots of knock tests and have... Been in contact with spirits. Um, Another building that is on Fort Reno is this Victorian mansion. It's the former home of an army wife who struggled with the simplicities of life on the frontier. She came from the East Coast. She came from quite a bit of money. She was... She was used to a certain lifestyle. Yes, absolutely. And um, when her husband could not provide that for her, well, daddy did. Her father built the luxurious home and filled it with all East Coast finery. Had it all shipped to Oklahoma. Oh, jeez. The woman who it was built for loved it so much, she remains there. Um, She is seen in a long white dress because apparently that's the only color dress they had back in the day. Or at least that's the only color dress you can wear when you die is white. Is this something like you can go tour? Or is it just on the... It is on the property. I do not think you used to be able to tour it. I don't think you can go in there anymore. Okay. Um, the woman is seen in a long white dress. 
Yep, even an old fort has a lady in white. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a ghost story if there wasn't a lady right, in white. Right. Um, she's seen looking out windows. She can be seen walking from room to room. In fact, they believe that she was actually caught on photo when some visitors were standing on the porch and got a picture and she was caught in it. Oh, gross. The house is not open to tours, but you are able to walk up onto it and look into the windows. Kind of like the Gilcrease house. Yes, I was exact, exactly what I was thinking when I thought about that. It's considered to be one of the most haunted buildings at Fort Reno. Uh, they used to give ghost tours, but now, alas, they do not. Aw, that stinks. If anybody knows Wendy Ogden, could she maybe get us in there? Um, the spirit of a little girl has also been witnessed here. She doesn't show herself to just anyone. In fact, she is known to only show herself to other children. Live children <laughs> have been seen waving at something in the second floor window. And then when asked by their parents, They'll say they're waving at a little girl. So their parents report this to the museum directors. Um, and they'll be like, oh, there's nobody inside the house. They're like, oh, my kid saw somebody. But she's also been seen playing in the yard and on the porch. This is the house that the... This Victorian house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, another presence is that, that of a male. People get the feeling a man is standing behind them or near them. He has never been seen, though. And in the basement. Oh, gross. That is where they mostly see or feel him. There is a strong cigarette smoke smell. Nope. <laughs> I'm out. Not doing that. Mm-mm. So, okay, listen to this story. One windy night, a door wasn't secured properly on the Victorian house, and it was banging loudly in the wind. Ron Cross, he was one, he's one of the Fort Reno employees, he went to shut the door. He grabbed his umbrella because it had been raining. When he got to the tree between the house and another building, he felt something tug at his umbrella. (gasps) He assumed it had snagged on a limb, but noticed the limbs were high above him and his umbrella, so they couldn't get a hold of it. The tugging continued, but then he realized it couldn't be the wind either. It was blowing in the direction opposite of the tugs. Keeping on toward the house, he noticed three skunks in his path. Skunks? Had he not stopped due to the tugging, he would have walked straight into their path and been sprayed by skunks. <laughs> well, I guess I that appreciate was, that spirit. I guess that's, that's nice of them. Right, right. Like I said before, the chapel was built by German and Italian POWs. Inside of it, footsteps are often heard. Um, the authors of Haunted El Reno actually experienced this when they were cleaning up from a weekend event they held there. Uh-huh. They were downstairs in the basement cleaning up. Ooh. And it was only one of them. I think it was just Tanya. And she heard footsteps upstairs. So she went up there to, you know, see who else was there. But there was no one there. And the only way to exit the building was down the staircase that she had come up. Uh-huh. And the staircase is really narrow, so they couldn't have passed her. And she was looking under the pews, behind everything. No one was there. There is no way you would ever put me in a haunted place (laughs) and have me walk around by myself. At night, too. No, And she said the whole time she did not feel like she was alone, that something was there with her. 
the commissary and armory buildings. We've got a few more buildings on the on the fort to cover. There's the commissary and armory building. There's one of those sad replayings of a young man in old style dress approaching visitors with a mournful look on his face. He actually will speak to them saying, is this a joke? Then he disappears. <gasps> oh, <laughs> can you imagine if someone walked up to him like, is this a joke? And then disappears. And I'm like, no, is this a joke? They're like, where's the, where's the projector? <laughs> right. It is believed to be that of William Stockwell, who in 1885 was told to take some quinine. It used to be killed to used to kill malaria or other uh-huh. sicknesses, and he was directed to this went or to this shelf that had these bottles on it, and he was told, "Oh, it's right there." Well, he picked the wrong bottle. He took strychnine, strychnine, oh. yeah. strychnine, which uh, is a rat poison. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And obviously. He died. He died. Mm-hmm. And they believe it's him saying, is, is this a joke? Like, oh, you took rat poisoning. Is this a joke? No, bro, you're going to die in about an hour. Right. So oh, um, painful. Unfortunately, this building is currently not open to the public. I think they are currently trying to raise funds to redo it. Renovate I think, it, maybe. Yeah, I think several of the buildings, that is what they're ultimately trying to do. They're slowly raising money to renovate some of them so that they can be back open to the public. Well, with buildings that old. Right, right. I'm sure there's a lot. And you've got to think, too, with the rate that El Reno goes through tornadoes. Right. Like they probably have had storm damage and they oh, just yeah. need to make sure that these buildings are secure. Yep. The last place, the last uh, place you can visit on Fort Reno that I'm going Wait, to cover. can I guess? Yes. Is it the infirmary? No. Oh. They didn't say anything about the infirmary. It must be in one. I don't know if they had one. I, don't, I mean, I assume they had one, but they didn't say anything about it. That was my only guess. It's the cemetery. Well, I should have known when you mentioned it earlier. Um, another woman in white is seen walking between the cedar trees. Numerous EVPs have been recorded here. One of them that they hear over and over. I know, I know, I was run over. <gasps> I know, I know, I was run over. Ooh. Ooh. It is believed to be Tim O'Connell, who was killed in 1899. It was an accident when his mule bucked him and threw him under an oncoming wagon. Oh, gosh. German voices are often heard. Hans Seifert is one German. Um, he was supposed to be released, but the day before his release, he accidentally set himself on fire when he was lighting a gas stove. Oh. And I don't know if he, like, burned to death or if he got, like, burns that were bad enough that he just succumbed to his he injuries. He just succumbed to his injuries. But to think the day before you were released, you're just lighting the stove. Oh, God. And you set yourself on fire. So um, one more kooky thing that happened and then... Uh, we'll wrap up our Fort Reno. There was a funeral procession of a minister. Uh-huh. And the horse-drawn carriage was struck twice by lightning. Oh. Killing two of the four horses. Twice by lightning. The likelihood of being struck by lightning one time is very slim. Right. But twice in the same... Right. T- during the same time, I don't even... That's I don't crazy. even know what the odds... I think you're more likely to win the lottery. Oh. Anyways... The people at the funeral quickly decided to bury that minister and move on with the rest of their life because they did not think that that was a good sign Ah. to be struck by lightning twice. You know, that kind of brings a whole new meaning to like (laughs) being smite. (laughs) Smote. Smote. (laughs) What is that? 
So that is Fort Reno. I wow cannot wait to visit there. I grew up in Canadian County, and uh-huh. I have never been there. And I, mean, I want to go. I mean, I mean, I know I've been to El Reno a, a couple of times. One summer, I worked in El Reno. But I don't think I've ever been to the fort. I never have. I want to go so bad. All right. Well, let's uh, hit up Miranda, and we should definitely Yes, we're going to do it. Yes, we're going to do it. I'm ready for you to tell me a ghost story. Okay. All right. So, yours was really great. I thought oh, that thank was you. fantastic. Thank you. Okay, so I am doing, I'm, I'm feeling like we have a pattern. Like you do, you've done a few forts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm doing another mansion. <laughs> so, anyway, I am doing, now I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. You can correct me, but I'm just going to say it like this because I don't, I don't know. It's the Labadee Mansion. Labadee Mansion. Labadee Mansion. So my sources real quick are Haunted Oklahoma by Jeff Provine, Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Ricksecker, Tulsa's Haunted Memories by Terry French, Weird Oklahoma by Wesley Treat, AbandonedOklahoma.com, Newstalk1290.com, and OnlyInYourState.com. So a little background. Honestly, there's not a whole, whole lot. And this whole thing is just crazy honestly (laughs) but uh frank labadee was a native of detroit michigan in 1851 now i don't know when he was born or anything like that i just know he was from detroit in 1851 he crossed the plains to california following the mining thread and was quite successful uh with his mining career like gold mine or uh, I'm assuming that's what it didn't it wasn't okay. specific but I'm I mean if you're going to California where else, what else are you gonna mine I mean right. I'm, sh- I'm sure California has other things to mine but well considering the time period yeah you know they had the big gold rush in 1849 yes and yes this is 1851 so I, I'm I'm just I know what they say about assuming but <laughs> I'm I'm assuming <laughs> that it's gold. So he was quite successful with it. He did eventually make his way to Kansas, where he decided to start farming. During the Civil War, he got into the baking and confectionery or candy making business. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Which he was also quite successful at. His son, also known as Frank Labity, was born in, and I'm... I don't know if it's the same as our Miami, Oklahoma, if it's Miami County in Kansas, or if they say Miami, I am unsure, but I'm going to say Miami. <laughs> Miami <laughs> County, Kansas, on September 3rd, 1860. In 1871, the Labadee family made their way to Indian Territory in Oklahoma from Kansas, and they made their home in the northeastern part of Osage County. Okay. And... This is where Frank, father, the father Frank, Mm -hmm. devoted his time and attention to farming, conducting his operations on a on a large scale. So he had a large farming um, operation, I guess we could call it. I just texted my friend Erin to ask her how they said it. I bet they say it Miami. Well, that's what I'm assuming, but I wasn't sure. So, uh, he was said to have been a man of marked business 
um, ability and uh, an executive force. So basically, he was just really business savvy. Okay. And he was very successful with, I mean, he was successful with the mining. He was successful with the farming in Kansas. He was successful with the baking and candy making. So he was just kind of, anything he did, he was successful at. His son, Frank, was educated at the Osage Mission. Okay. He inherited his father's business acumen and followed in his footsteps by taking up farming. Mm -hmm. However, he did it completely on his own and independently from his father. And so he he wanted to uh, do farming, but he didn't, almost like he didn't want... uh, the backing from his from his father mm-hmm. he wanted to be successful on his own his focus was on further cultivation and improvement of the home place on his 1500 acres in osage county he continued farming until 1891 where he then kind of turned his focus onto the lumber trade dealing in like hardwood huh. timber although he still owned and gained profit from his original homestead and he also received large royalties from oil wells that were located on, on his property. He also owned <laughs> a 20-acre truck farm near Big Heart in Osage County. Truck farm? Yes, I saw that look. So I didn't know what a truck farm was. I haven't the foggiest. So I googled it. <laughs> a truck farm is a farm that produces vegetables for market. That's how they described it. So, oh, so I guess it it doesn't produce vegetables to eat at your, like, I guess it's not for your home. It's to sell them. Yeah. I think it's okay. for like, I think it's for production only. Like it's not, I don't know. That's just how it was. That's just what it said on the thing. I don't know. Tim. I just don't know. Okay. So Frank, Frank Labity, the son Married Samantha Ellen Miller in 1884. I'm not sure how they met, but Samantha was a native of Illinois, and they did have four children together. So let's just talk a little bit about the mansion now. Kansas, pronounce it Miami County. Miami. Okay. I I said, do you pronounce it the Florida way or Oklahoma? And she says Florida. Isn't that weird? And I said yes. Okay. So. But we know that the Florida Miami the reason why we have an Oklahoma Miami is because of the Florida one, and it's uh-huh. actually Florida that mispronounces it. Right. Okay. Well, good to know. Learn something new every day. Yes. Okay. So the Labadee Mansion is located a few miles north of Bartlesville and just west of the small town of Copan. This 19th century mansion, which is now a burned-out husk, is all that remains of the famed Labadee oh, home. Oh man. Its stone walls ringed with towering chimneys are the only thing left of the once grand three-story building. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, you should see the pictures. Abandoned Oklahoma has a ton of pictures. Um, The eerie ruined house stands on a hilltop, which is visible in the wintertime, but the surrounding trees cause it to kind of like disappear in the leaves every spring. It's said that George Labadee, who is is the one who... um, Owned the mansion. Oh, I'm looking at the pictures. Yeah. <gasps> they, they give me the heebie-jeebies. Um, <gasps> it said that George Labadee is the one who had the, man- the mansion built. 
around 1880 and was the home of the Labadee family up until 1835. Now, George Labadee Mm -hmm. was Frank Labadee's son. Yes. Or one of his sons. Yeah. It's said that throughout the years there have been many tragedies and deaths that have occurred at the mansion. It seems as if the Labadee family were cursed with misfortune and unthinkable hardships is what one source said. Two fires have occurred at the mansion, and that is the reason for the burned-out shell of the house <laughs> that remains, is because the second fire, I think, is what... Destroyed it. Right. To make it even more creepy, there is also a family cemetery located on the property as well. One source said that Frank and Samantha Labadee, along with several other family members, are buried there. Or it says buried near the mansion in the Labadee family cemetery. Oh, my gosh. Some having died from natural causes, others from murder and even suicide, according to legend. Ooh. Uh Uh-huh. So let's talk about some of the legends. Yes, please. There have been rumors that have gone around over the years that Samantha Labadee had an affair with their servant oh. and that Frank Labadee murdered him. Scandalous. Legend has it that shortly after the couple were married, they began to try to start a family. Okay. After years and years of trying with zero success of getting pregnant, the couple determined that they just weren't able to have children. Frank was especially devastated Mm -hmm. or heartbroken because he had always wanted to become a father. He wanted children. The couple had a black slave living with them by the name of Enos or Enos. E-N-O-S. Enos. 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 Enos Parsons. In the winter of 1892, Enos. Enos. What did we say? Enos. Enos and Samantha had an affair, which led to her becoming pregnant. When she could no longer hide her condition, Frank was ecstatic, believing that he was... That she was finally a child, and he fully Uh, believed that he was the father of the baby. Oh, no. Obviously, not knowing that the child, in fact, was not his. I wonder if she, does it, do you know if she knew automatically if it wasn't his, or? I mean, I'm assuming. Was she, well, I mean, if she was still being a wife and being a mistress, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll get to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess if she's tried for many years prior to becoming a mistress um, with no luck, luck success. is that success? I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know. Then maybe she probably did know it wasn't his, but you never know. I don't know. So Anywho, when, sorry. So when the baby was born, it became quite clear by the color of the skin oh. that Frank was definitely not the father oh that's fingers very quickly pointed to enos what is it enos enos (laughs) i don't know why i can't get that pointed at enos parsons as being the father this sent frank into a rage one source said that without a word frank killed the baby 
And then chased down Parsons, shooting him with a 44 Henry rifle. Frank then threw Parsons, the baby, and the rifle all into the creek, which swallowed them up. Oh, my. Another source said that Frank confronted Parsons first, who admitted to the affair with Samantha. He then returned home and grabbed his 44 Henry rifle and went straight back to Parsons' quarters, where he shot him once, killing him. Frank then took the body and dumped it into the creek, where it was said to sink instead of float. When he returned to the house, he took the baby out of Samantha's arms and told her that he would send the baby down the creek as well. Legend also has it that because of those murders... Neither Parsons or the baby rests in peace. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. So another legend is that Frank Labadee went mad and ended up killing his entire family before killing himself by jumping out of the third story attic window. Oh, my God. Oh, why? Oh, pain. Why? Why? Legend has it that in the spring of 1935, Frank began to go crazy, claiming the ghost of Enos Parsons tormented him. You you think? You shot him. (sighs) On April 1st, 1935, Frank took out his Colt pistol and shot Samantha four times, (gasps) killing her, and then turned the gun on himself, ending his life with one shot. Oh, my gosh. When the bodies were found and evidence gathered, it was noticed there was one bullet missing from the gun, and the forty-four Henry rifle was never recovered. Another source said that the legend claims that on April 1st, 1935, Frank Labadee's mind broke after being tormented for 40 years by the sins of his past. He killed his children by throwing them out the third story window, shot four bullets from his revolver into his wife, and after setting the house on fire, turned the gun on himself. I have some questions. Well, just. Okay. Just wait. So, are these tales horrible and terrifying? Yes. Uh, yes, they are. But none of them are accurate. Okay. Because you got to remember, I kept saying legends. Mm-hmm. These are just tales. Well, I was going to say, how did they have an enslaved person? I don't know. Because well, slavery was against the law at this point, right? Or was it just a servant? Because uh, even 40, if 40 years from 1935... That would have still put it in 1890s, 1880s. Well, remember the supposed murders took place in 1892. But still, uh, that... Well, just, like, just hang on. Okay, I was going to say, but still, that slavery was against the law then. You couldn't have enslaved people. We'll just... Okay. We'll get there. So, we know that Frank and Samantha Labadee had four children. All right, that's, that was my next in question. The soon after their marriage. Okay, that was my next question. In fact, in 1892, when these supposed murders took place... George V. Labadee, one of Frank and Samantha's children, was born. Mm-hmm. He went on to become the first member of the Osage Nation to graduate with full degrees in law. So are they natives? See, I don't know because he came from Detroit. Yeah. She came from, or well, I mean, his dad came from Detroit. And then um, I think his family history is also French-Canadian. Yeah. And that they could speak French fluently. So I don't know where the native. Did I don't he know marry like, a native woman? I have no idea. 
Frank didn't. She was from Illinois. Huh. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. This is just what the sources said. Okay. <laughs> Enos. 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 <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Enos Parsons, said to be a freed man through records, showed that he was born in Ohio and that he did do work for Frank Labadee, but he passed away in 1904 rather than being murdered in 1892. So... He was he was a freed man, but he worked for Frank Labity. Right. He was paid. He was a right. paid okay. worker. I was gonna say and at that point, even if he would have been working for him in eight, the eighteen nineties, he would have been a free man, so But his grave stands in the Labity family cemetery just north of the creek, instead of beneath it as the legend goes. So Is my- there a body buried there? Some people question that, actually. They don't know. I mean... Go get your shovel, Jess. I'm not digging up anything. So in 1890, the legend of, quote, the April's... Or the April Fool's ghost... I mean, I was going to say, it even happened on April 1st. Yeah. Began with a story that was submitted to Green Country Living, which I think (laughs) was like a... Some kind of reading column. It was like a society page or something. Yeah. (laughs) And this was in 1980. So, 1980? Yeah. Oh, my god. This is when it was submitted. So according to the piece that was <laughs> written, three teenage boys had heard that Frank Labadee had gone insane on April Fool's Day in 1935 and killed his family by throwing them out the third-story attic window. Oh, my gosh. He then... Um, jumped out himself. Jumped out himself. Upon hearing that the ruins were the site of a tragic murder... The three boys set out to find the old house and well, uncover its secret. Duh. I mean, why would you not? I'm half tempted to get my car right now. It's not that far away. <laughs> well, obviously, the dramatized story stirred up some controversy with the descendants of the Labadee family. <laughs> They're like, hello, we're all alive and kicking. Yes. Riled up by the horrible accusation that their uncle was a murderer. <laughs> Blanche Labadee Mounts and Winifred B. Labadee wrote to the Green Country Living, wrote to the editor to try and set the record straight. They said that on April 1st, 1935, because Frank and Samantha did die April 1st, 1935. Okay. Both of them. Mm. Frank and Samantha Labadee were found dead in their home by their nephew who had stopped by to wish them well. Frank and Samantha Labity had just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary <gasps> at a compl- um, the day before. Oh, my god! Frank gosh. and Samantha actually died from asphyxiation <gasps> due to carbon monoxide poisoning from a poorly ventilated gas stove in a completely different house. So the house they... And not in the actual mansion? Right. So the house they lived oh in was gosh. not even the ruined house that curious people seek... Mm-hmm. Um, even though it, it's in the area. Yeah. The Lavity Mansion had actually been burned twice by fire, and the Stone Ruins was the house owned by their son, George. Oh. Right. So that's all, like, that's legends, and that's the, that's the family members debunking it. Oh, my gosh. Good so, story, though. Well, Good story. Well, let's talk about some spooks, though, because there okay. are spooks. Well, I mean, they're all buried there, so... So even though these legends and stories can be debunked, mm-hmm. most of the or most who have visited the site 
of the Labadee Mansion say it's haunted and report experiencing all kinds of paranormal activity. Well, look at it. It looks... Not just at the mansion, but the cemetery as well. I mean, because... Why not have a creepy it's mansion a cemetery. without, you know, you can't have a creepy cemetery. I'd be, I. You can't have a creepy mansion without having a cemetery is what I've been trying to say. I, I believe that almost every cemetery has the spirits walking around. I mean. Ooh. That's why I don't go there. At, I mean, I have to drive past one at night when I come <laughs> home, but I don't stop and walk around. Mm-hmm. Well, many who have made the hike to the ruins have said that electronics like phones mm-hmm. cameras other kinds of electronic equipment will malfunction and Ooh. then just stop working completely Ooh. no 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 flashlights will do the same nope nope which nope. would be super scary if you're walking in the dark and your flashlight suddenly goes out <laughs> some people have claimed that strange activity and pure evil just emanate from the property oh it is believed that Frank, Samantha, Enos, Enos, yes, Enos Parsons, and the baby still haunt the land where the mansion once stood. Anyone who is brave or dumb enough, as I like to say, to venture into the deep woods and visit the empty lot claims that a very angry and aggressive spirit is there, and Ooh. many believe it to be Frank. Many believe it to be Frank Labity. They also say how something haunts the woods, even the creek where Enos's body was dumped. Quote dumped. Yes, quote dumped. Others say that they indeed have seen Enos Parsons walking amid the shadows of the trees under the full moon, his face blank, a rifle clutched in his hands. Many people have also claimed to have been chased by him Back to their car. No. (laughs) No, So if they think that they're seeing him, who's to say it's actually him and not somebody else? Right. If especially if it starts. Oh, my gosh. The hair on the back of my head is standing up. Oh, it gets creepier. No. Oh, my gosh. Some say that they can hear the cry of a baby or (gasps) the cry of the baby that was supposedly drowned in the creek. Some describe the cries as simple wailing, like a wailing baby. But others say it's something more animalistic to them. Some have said it sounds like a canine howl. And others say it's it's like the shriek of like a big cat. It's a grim or a banshee. Well, I mean, it is Oklahoma. It could be a coyote. It could be a bobcat. Stop trying to debunk it. Okay. It's a grim or a banshee. All right. We'll go with that. Or a stinkini. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh. Some people say that the ghost of Samantha Labadee herself walks the property and attempts to scare off unwanted uh, and curious trespassers. They just don't want people up looking in their business. They don't. Apparitions have been seen staring out from the second floor windows where there is no floor because, you know, it was destroyed was say, by uh, the fire. There's no there's foundation. nothing there. <laughs> there aren't. That's like the outline of the window. It's literally just the outline of the building and not even a full building. But how creepy would that be? <sighs> oh, I don't like that. Many claim to have smelled smoke and that the smell would get stronger and stronger to the point where their no- noses would be like burning. Right. And their eyes would be watering. Nope. 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 
Some have even said that they smell the acrid stench of burning flesh. Oh, no, no. Spectral blue flame fires will burst to life in the ruined fireplaces, causing a glare that shows more shadows of people than there are living visitors. Oh, oh my. I know. Unseen hands reach from the no. darkness to grab shoulders <laughs> and pull hair, dr- driving Pulling out the my trespassers. hair. Don't pull my hair. Don't they pull just my got hair. It stuck on a branch. Don't pull my hair. They got it stuck on a branch. Tap me on the shoulder. Poke at me. Like one of my store. Like one. Like the kid. The little kid would like yank on your clothes because that's as tall as they are. Do that before you pull my dang hair. Don't pull my hair. I don't want you touching me. Period. That's my feelings on it. Jessica's been touched by a ghost, though. We don't know. Anyway. She was. Some people have claimed to have seen strange red lights among the trees, as well as shadowy animals that aren't afraid of the intruders. People have also claimed to have heard the sound of gunshots in the woods, which cause birds to strangely hover overhead. People have heard voices speaking, and some have also said that they can feel someone watching them intently. Some say, okay, this <sighs> creeps me out more than anything else. Some say that the activity is from the Labadees, with their spirits coming down from the cemetery to guard the mansion. Others say that it's the legend itself coming alive. Because we've manifested it. And drives the paranormal experiences as rogue spirits that take on the personas in the story. I don't know what's worse. Like having ghosts or basically a legend coming to life. Oh, I don't know which one's worse. Just having the ghost there or one just, oh, the story took on a life of its own. Whatever the cause, strange, kooky, and spooky things occur here. You don't say. I just want to stress this point. I think the ruins of the Labadee Mansion are on private property. So please, please, please do not, under any circumstances, go and try to explore this place. Because it's private property. Do not trespass. (laughs) Like, please. So... Anyway, that is the Labadee Mansion. But if someone could invite us to go see it, that would be fantastic. Well, if someone invites you or you call and ask if you have, get permission is all I'm saying. Don't just go there and trespass. You could DM us. So. We'll go. That, Tiff will go. I will guard the car. Haven't you seen horror movies? The person who stays in the car is always the first to get got. I will lock it. I will lock that. Son of a gun. Oh, that was a creepy one. I don't know what to believe. Well, something's out there, though. Well, it just makes you think, like, obviously, the legends that have been told, obviously, those are false. Yes. None of that ever happened. But it does make you wonder, like, the burning of flesh, like, the smell. Like, did somebody die in those fires? Right. Who died in those fires? Like, that kind of thing. Um, maybe a baby really did die, maybe not from drowning, but maybe Enos had a child that died or something. I mean, there's just no telling like what actually happened there, but it seems like something obviously did. For real. Mm. 
Mm, that was a good one. Mm. <laughs> I told you. To, I knew they were both creepy. I told you. To sure. Oh, I loved it. So. Well, if you have a creepy story for us to share, yeah. please, please, please email us at CuriousCousinsOK at gmail.com. You could also slide into our DMs if you'd like at Curious Cousins OK on Instagram, at Curious Cousins OK podcast on Facebook, and at Curious Cousins OK, but Cousins is spelled C-U-Z-N on Twitter. You can also like, follow, and review us on your favorite podcast listening platform, including Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and Google. And yeah. We look forward to hearing from you guys. We love it. We love it. Next week, um, we do have a fan pick next week. Yes. And this is going to be a deep dive. This is probably going to be a three-parter next yes. week. Um, and uh, Jess and I are going to actually take turns on it. Yeah, we're going to... Uh, tag team it. Yes. Tag yes. team it. Uh, we're going to tag team this next one. So just... Please stick around for it. And yeah. uh, thank you guys for listening. And just tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye.